I've always been a believer that agent experience is what creates customer experience. So that's why so much of our focus is on making the agents more productive, but also just happier. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, we always say, you know, uh, hire the smile, train the skill, but then we give them systems that don't, don't allow them to smile all day. <laughs> so we need to, right. we need to focus on that. <laughs> Welcome to Conversations That Matter, a podcast from Unifor. Here, we explore the latest customer experience trends, sales insights, innovations in AI and automation, and more with well-known thought leaders and industry experts. Tune in and join the conversation. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of our amazing podcast that is focused on the community, trying to learn best practices and to make everyone 1% better on how you do your job on improving customer experience, but also on leveraging AI within your enterprise. And today we have a uniform partner. Uh, we haven't had too many partners on the show, so we wanted to bring on a partner that has some amazing experience. Uh, and he started actually as a contact center agent and has won numerous awards in patient engagement and communication. And he is the chief operating officer at Eclipse Telecom. Let's welcome Matt Dixon to the podcast. Welcome, Matt. Well, thank you for having me. I, I'll take half a percent better. Uh, so one uh, percent better would be awesome. We'll we'll settle for half. <laughs> it is a lot, you know. When you think about it, um, it's not it's not that much. Uh, but when you actually put your mind to it, like, how can you get one percent better? Um, it's it's a hard thing. Uh, I think of like if I ran a marathon one percent better. That would be a huge improvement. Oh, absolutely. Um, if I lost 1% of my weight, that would be a huge improvement. And my doctor would be happy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but here we are. Um, so I'm excited to talk to you today. Uh, and you know, our, our theme is definitely AI and, and how people are leveraging it across numerous different industries. You have a lot of experience on the healthcare side. Um, and what I wanted to do is start off with is we have our usual myth question that we start off with in the podcast. And what is one myth about generative AI in the enterprise that you would like to debunk? Well, I think for me, you know, we hear a lot that the greatest impact of generative AI will be job displacement. And there's no question there'll be some of that. But I think the far greater impact will be creating more productive employees. You know, in fact, we're finding that generative AI is allowing humans to be more human. It's actually freeing them from the mundane tasks to focus on really the most vexing problems faced by businesses today. And the other thing it's doing is really lightening their cognitive load, which allows the very thing that makes us human to shine through even more, right? So when yeah. we look at the contact center, for example, Agents that use generative AI tools are demonstrably happier, and that's evidenced by lower attrition rates. And we're really seeing their soft skills amplified. You can, yeah. you know, it's obvious it's much easier to be compassionate and understanding when you aren't wrestling with systems that are cumbersome, <laughs> repetitive tasks, yeah. right? Which is really unleashing their creativity uh, to find novel ways to solve customer issues and complaints when they can get that information they need from multiple systems and it condensed and easy to understand summary that really highlights the key points required for them to do their jobs. Yeah. Any way to make their jobs easier. Um, and it brought me uh, one idea that just came up in my head for a future guest is like, we need to bring an agent on the podcast. Oh, we haven't had any agents on the podcast. hundred percent. I think, 
that would be awesome to see because I think you're you're spot on in terms of mundane tasks. Everyone hates those. Everyone has them. Not that they're going to go away completely, hundred percent. But if you can make those mundane tasks, you know, speed up by twenty, you know, by two or four x, I think that is definitely going to be helpful in your job. I've I've always been a believer that agent experience is what creates customer experience. So that's why so much of our focus is on making the agents more productive, but also just happier. Uh, I mean, it's you know, we always say you know, uh, hire the smile, train the skill, but then we give them systems that don't, don't allow them to smile all day. <laughs> so we need to, right. we need to focus on that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so speaking of your company, tell us a little bit more about Eclipse uh, Telecom yeah. and your role at the company. Absolutely. So I'm the chief operating officer at Eclipse Telecom. Uh, so we're a telecommunications consulting firm solely focused on just that communication. So we're really involved in the entire life cycle of communication from optimizing the backbone of your communication infrastructure, including connectivity and how your networks perform, because you got to have that solid foundation all the way through customer experience. So that's where a lot of my background comes from. Prior to joining Eclipse, I was Senior Vice President and General Manager of Communication Solutions at Stericycle. I did that for about three years. That division was doing about 300,000 patient interactions a day. We did about 2 million calls a year with or 1 million of those being complex scheduling calls. And that's where you, in that intro, it was nice for you to call me award-winning. Uh, I, I'll say that uh, certainly the division I ran uh, was winning some awards. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, uh, you got to give credit where credit's due to others that were involved in that. But a Frost and Sullivan Award for Best Practices and Value Creation and Patient Engagement, a Globy Disruptor Award. And I was honored to be named Healthcare Communicator of the Year in 2021 as well. So really unique things we were doing there. I uh, continue to bring that forward to other health system, uh, you know, mm-hmm. that we're working with, but also bringing that to the, the, you know, the more customer experience, not necessarily patient experience as well, taking those lessons learned and, and helping uh, yeah. companies figure out how to more effectively communicate with their customers as well. Very cool. Well, thanks for sharing that background. Um <clears throat> uh, So we were doing a little research on LinkedIn and uh, we came up uh some of the content they've been posting and one of the articles that we saw was a Forbes tech council article. And I love Forbes. I love some of the, the contributed articles out there. Uh, and one of them that you wrote uh, was titled seven mistakes to avoid when leveraging AI in your customer journey. And you talked specifically about agent enablement. And I know this is really a passion around agent because that, that was one of your first jobs. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about uh, that particular point around agent enablement, agent enablement, before automation. What do you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. So it really goes back to the first thing we talked about, you know, as AI is being used to handle or more of those simpler transactions, more and more of that complex work is being funneled to your contact center agents. So before automating, we first need to prepare for a world where agents are handling calls that are more increasingly complex. The other thing that I think we need to consider is that a bottom ups build is more effective. And what do I mean by that? As you build out those agent enablement tools and make it easier for agents to do their jobs, you'll naturally discover the transactions or calls that are most well-suited for automation. At some point in that process, you're going to find that the assistance you're giving the agent, you're going to arrive to this point, then you go, hey, we, we probably don't need the agent in this interaction anymore at all. 
and we can remove the agent in their entirety. But by looking at enablement first, you're going to get results more quickly, identify the most appropriate transactions for automation, and prepare the agents for a time when all the calls they're handling are more complex in nature and need creative thinking and problem solving to be handled. Okay. Um, and then the, the article uh, has a few other points, but uh, just, it's, uh, you know, we'll put it in the show notes uh, and make sure everyone can, can link off to it and read it. Um, but thanks for, for sharing that, those details. Um, when we go about um, talking about AI uh, um, with, with enterprises, a lot of times it's sometimes not, they, they jump towards the technology side of things. Yep. When in actuality, they need to figure out the strategy side of things first and, and how the workflow and processes work within, within their organization, how they can ingest AI into it. Um, what is your philosophy around helping people uh, starting their AI journey in terms of kind of transformation? Yeah, I think to your point, the first step is education. Uh, you know, ChatGPT was both the best and the worst thing to happen to AI, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah, uh, It's gotten people very exclusively focused on a given use case or a given AI technique. Uh, and it's really, you know, unfortunately done a disservice to other very valuable approaches, use cases, tools, and techniques in the AI space. So the first step for us is simply education. You know, most companies aren't aware of all the uh, use cases you can deploy AI to solve. So we really start with helping them understand all the ways AI can solve for problems in their business. And some of the areas where they're not aware, where I think potentially has the greatest impact is around QA right. and compliance. Okay. So when you run a contact center, you're probably doing QA on two to 3% of your calls. Yeah, especially when you're talking about highly regulated industries like healthcare, how are you yeah. catching if there's HIPAA compliance issues, right? So helping True. them understand, hey, AI can get you to 100% uh, review yeah. your calls uh, and making sure you're taking lessons learned from those, uh, making sure you're checking for compliance uh, across all of those, and which creates better training and coaching opportunities, which creates a virtuous cycle of feedback uh, to help you improve your scripting, your call center flows and processes. Mm -hmm. The next step for us for them too, is to help them identify their AI nirvana. Uh, it's really critical for them to understand what they want to accomplish over the next three to five years yeah. using AI. Do you think um, most people have that nirvana, that, well, that vision, or no, they lack it? They, they certainly are. We, we can help them understand that uh, and what it could be. And the reason why it's so important to do that, though, is if they don't understand where they want to go, they're not considering the right things in their evaluation process. Oh, okay. And that's the big deal, right? If they if they say, you know, we're not thinking about this today, but eventually we'd like to uh, do some automation, for example, and we want to plug into this system yeah. or, or this CRM, right? It's like, yeah. okay, great. This tool is doesn't do that and maybe will someday, but you know, here's the tools that can do that, right? So yeah, totally. it's really, really important for them to understand that process and that evolution. Um, uh, you know, these are not set it and forget it tools. They need to plan right. for care and feeding and making this tool smarter over time. Deploy yeah, we've talked about that cases. a lot on the podcast. Yeah, we've talked about, 
you know, the, the role of an AI trainer is super key within an organization. Um, so sorry to interrupt. Uh, you, no, go ahead. Finish what you're no, I was just going to say oh. that, you know, most companies, unfortunately, aren't considering what that looks like up front, yeah. right? And how to make those tools smarter over time. So we place a ton of weight on the enablement providers make available to consumers that allowed them grow, to grow the tool over time, such as API integrations, for example, robotic process automation, uh, how they make the AI uh, models smarter over time. So that's why it's really important to kind of understand what that end state for, and there is never an end state, by the way, but what, what that AR Nirvana looks like uh, so they can make sure again that they're uh, bringing that forward in their evaluation process to get the most um, appropriate measure of value from a given tool set up front so that they don't put something in and then 12 months down the road go, oh my God, we got to swap it out for something else because it, it doesn't get us to where we need to go. True. And, and full honesty, transparency, the, that AI nirvana might change every six months oh, depending on technology, depending yeah. on business factors, account factors of that nature but it's good to have something down so you know what you're looking for right what yep. you're going towards absolutely um another question just popped up in my head is in terms of organizational structure um where you know these days where do you see most organizations that you work with where is ai starting like is it starting like in the back office of like the it team is it starting at the contact center is it customer experience like under marketing or where is it starting you know I, I, would, I would say uh, certainly in the contact center the question then becomes though who's leading the charge so sometimes it's it um yeah. often it may be that contact center leadership very rarely and i think you're going to see this change over the next you know five or so years i think we're going to see more people in the c-suite that are tasked with customer experience so i think we're going to see chief yeah. customer officer chief consumer officer chief customer experience officer whatever you want to call it yeah. um the other area where we see a lot of interest or where a people start their ai journey is in the help desk too as well, right? So deflection yep. of help desk tickets to self-service options uh, is certainly another area where there's a lot of interest right now and a lot of people are starting that AI journey. Yeah, cool, all right, thanks for that. That's, uh, that's really interesting. Um, from a industry perspective, you talked a little bit about healthcare, but what's one surprising industry that that you're that maybe you've seen or maybe that you think will uh, change in one to two years and see huge adoption rates of AI? Uh, we're, we're seeing it play out in real time today. And it's kind of a surprising one and maybe a little niche because I don't think most people understand just how big this is. And the, the industry itself is uh, revenues measured in the billions of dollars, which is audiobook narration. Uh, okay. So many voice actors and professional narrators are already reporting their workloads have been cut in half. And this is largely due to Apple launching a catalog of AI-narrated books in January of this year. And Google also wow. launched 40-plus AI narrators for audiobooks. So if you look at somebody like Tanya Eby, who's recorded over 1,000 audiobooks in the last 21 years and has won awards yeah. for this as well, uh, she's even come out so far as to say she's not sure this will be her full-time job in as little as the next five years. 
Wow. So podcast host probably too. <laughs> I, um, I, I hope not probably. for all of our sake. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, well, that's, that's fascinating. I mean, I mean, we use uh, for instance Descript, uh, which is a great tool, and you know, you go—I don't know what it is—ten minutes of your voice, and yes. you can recreate it, and it's so so amazing. Um, so interesting, interesting. All right, well. Let's uh, get to uh, a rapid fire section uh, that we wanted to bring to you since you're knowledgeable in all things uh, AI. And uh, we thought we would uh, define a few terms that people uh, are hearing in the industry that keep on coming up in, in conversations, whether on this podcast or within, whether uh, a vendor is trying to, to reach out to you and sell you something. Um, so let's talk about this now. We talked about generative AI, but what would what, what is your definition of generative AI? Let's just start there and then get on to some other ones. Well, first, I want to make sure I don't lose any points in this portion. So I have, do I have to phrase my response in the form of a question like on Jeopardy, or can I just go <laughs> at it? I, I just <laughs> want to make sure exactly. I get all the points available. <laughs> all, right. all right, so AI for a thousand. <laughs> we'll have our we'll have our uh, our podcast uh, producer put in a little Jeopardy uh, thing on the side there. Perfect. So generative AI, I mean, this is the branch of AI focused on creating new content. So this could be images, text, music, you know, et cetera. And it's taking input from a human, which could be a question, an image prompt, for example. I've done some of this with marketing material. I can go and say uh, a man standing on a cliff looking at the sunset and oh my gosh, I get an image generated, right? Yeah. And they're yeah. processing that input uh, through a model to produce a result that is original in nature, uh, which is, of course, what a lot of people are excited about. All right. Uh, next one is related to AI, uh, LLMs. You know, we've so, been using those since uh, 2019, but uh, tell us uh, a little about how you would explain that to, to others. Yeah, so LLM just stands for large language model. ChatGPT is the most well-known example right now of that. So these are deep learning algorithms that can recognize, summarize, translate, predict, generate text, and other forms of content based on knowledge gained from massive data sets. They've been around for a while. The reason they've rose to prominence uh, recently is A, the amount of text that can be pulled from the internet to train them on, and B, uh, the change of how quickly that text can be uh, processed and used within those models. So. GPT-3, for example, has 175 billion parameters. That yeah. that tells you when, when they say large, uh, they need to make up a new word for large does not describe <laughs> it very well. That's that's the scope we're talking about, size and scope we're talking about with those. Gotcha. Gigante. All right. Uh, next, Transformers. So that's the T in chat GPT. Uh, so GPT stands for generative pre-trained pre transformer. So a transformer model is just a neural network that learns context and thus meaning by tracking relationships in sequential data like words in a sentence. So it's really evolving, it's applying. Most people don't know that the way these models work is basically translates speech to numbers or numeric representations and then uses uh -huh. mathematical techniques to detect the subtle ways that even distant data elements in a series influence and depend on one another. So in essence, it's right. just looking at all kinds of sentences and saying, boy, when I see the word cat, 
There's a ton of time I see the word meow really close to it. Maybe those two have a, a strong relationship to one another. Gotcha. Uh, this has come up uh, quite a bit uh, in terms of the way that people are are, are dealing with, with AI in terms of the speech side of things. So natural language processing, NLP, versus natural language understanding, NLU. What's the difference between the two? Yeah, I think that's a very important distinction to understand. So natural language processing is relying on what's called an utterance uh, to create an intent. So it's just taking what was said or what was written and that phrase and saying, hey, based on what I'm hearing, I think this person is trying to accomplish X, Y, or Z. Okay. Natural language understanding takes more than just an utterance. It takes other variables in to provide context to create better understanding. So I'll give you a perfect example of this. Uh, if I said to you, hey, can you crack the window for me? So the phrase, right. the utterance is crack the window. If we're sitting in a car and it's hot and muggy and humid, you know exactly what to do. You're going to roll down the window a little bit. Right. If we're on the 20th floor of a building burning, a, a burning building, and I say crack the window, you know what to do, right? You're going to try to yeah. chuck a chair through it, whatever it is, right? So that same <laughs> utterance, crack the window, has completely different intent based on additional context. So that's what natural language understanding is doing, is bringing in that additional context to create better, deeper, richer, and more accurate understandings of utterances. Awesome. Uh, great. Uh, those are the uh, the Jeopardy uh, from 1,000 or what is it? Go? <laughs> 200 to 1,000. Uh, I think that was really helpful to, to get that. Um, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about these words on our podcast, but I don't think we ever had a, you know, a few minutes to, to actually just, just what is the definition? So that's really cool. So thanks for uh, sharing that. Um, so for those that are listening in, uh, again, you're listening to uh, Uniform Podcast. And we appreciate you guys listening in. If you ever have any questions for our guests or for you want to join in this conversation, use the hashtag CTM uh, uh, podcast, that's CTM podcast. And then uh, we'd love for you to let us know how we're doing. Make sure to either email us at podcast at unifor.com or you can always rate and review us on your favorite podcast directory. So, Matt, we are, are up to our rapid fire section. Uh, and there's a few questions here before we bid you adieu. And uh, we appreciate your time so far today. Are you ready? I'm, I'm as ready as I'm going to be. I'm, I'm a little disappointed I did not get a double jeopardy earlier, though. <laughs> <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> All right. So, no double jeopardy, but uh, we got some good ones here. Uh, so, uh, you're calling into a contact center. And you got a challenge, so, some some issue that you had, um, say with your healthcare company, uh, and there was a celebrity on the other side of that call, uh, manning the the, the phones, uh, or maybe the the, the chat bot in that in this case, uh, depending on what you're doing. Who would that celebrity be? It could be the artist, the musician, dead or alive. Who would that celebrity be to help you? Who would totally um, make everything go smoothly for the rest of the day. I, I, you got to go with, quote unquote, the voice of God, Morgan Freeman. So that is somebody who's going to articulate. They're going to talk slowly. They're not going to, I think, uh, be overly emotional. Uh, that's the calming <laughs> voice that's going to make you feel like everything's handled. Everything's good and handled. All right. Morgan Freeman. I love that one. <laughs> uh, who's your mentor growing up? 
Uh, I would say growing up, you know, for me, uh, I, I tend to um, really look to, um, you know, people in my community more than anything, right? So okay. I, I had a very close knit group of friends growing up. And uh, cool. unfortunately for me, I didn't grow up with a father. So I think I relied more on people that were pseudo big brothers to me in the community that uh, kind of led the right way, gave me the right path to follow and kept me out of trouble, which was no small task at that time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I know that. All right, uh, last book you read. Uh, I actually am reading it right now. It's called Fanatical Prospecting. Uh, so it's really taking approach to how to uh, better approach uh, companies and really uh, help them understand your value proposition and what you're bringing to the table and, and get them interested in additional conversations. Uh, how would you explain to your kids what you do? Uh, you said you have a kid in college. A I older, do. Older. I do. He's old yeah. enough, I think, to pretty much understand it without taking a ton of explanation. I, my, my answer to that question has always been the same, no matter what I've done. And I've done a, a lot of different roles over my career. I've always yeah. believed my job is to help people do their jobs better and more effectively. Awesome. Uh, so I, I'd say that's what it is. I love that. Uh, and then lastly, if you had a, a best day where everything was like, oh man, this is awesome work, personal life, whatever it might be, what would that best day be? Oh, goodness. Uh, it, certainly, it would be involving golf, even though I'm not great at it. I certainly love it. It's a, it's a labor of awesome. love, uh, no doubt. And certainly, you know, rounding out a force and with some good friends of mine uh, and really just having that perfect day where by some miracle, I'm hitting the ball straight for 18 holes. <laughs> that would be the best day ever. <laughs> <laughs> you, you would be a hero to many. Uh, <laughs> you wouldn't be doing what you're doing now if you, if you did that. Um, yeah, I mean, my best day uh, would probably be going for a run with my wife because we were on two separate schedules sometimes, mm. dropping off kids, going to work. We have to do our workout separately. So that would be my best day. That would be. Uh, well, my, my wife would be in the cart. She wouldn't be playing. My son, unfortunately, much to my chagrin, did not catch the golfing bug. He played baseball. Uh, but it, certainly I, it wouldn't be bad for them to hang out with me during that round and certainly rounded it out with some folks who actually are interested in swinging a golf club would be fun too. <laughs> and they, they can uh, drive the, the drink cart. Yeah. Everybody course. loves to drive a golf cart. It's, it's fun. So. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> totally. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. I appreciate you having me. Yeah. And uh, for those uh, that want to reach out to you, uh, what's the best way to reach out to you and find more about yourself, but uh, Eclipse uh, Telecom? Sure. It's just Matt at Eclipse-Telecom.com. Cool. Well, thanks again for your time. All right. Great. Thank you so much. All right. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks again for joining the podcast. Uh, we look forward to more exciting guests in the coming weeks ahead. Take care. <laughs>